0: Father, we thank you. <laughs> thank you that you're here and you're present. And Lord, we've just been singing about wanting to always listen to you and always hear your voice. And we know you love to, to bless the preaching of your word. And so, Father, open our hearts now and open our lives so that, you know, we can be flowing in the power of the Holy Spirit that we can really know what it means to know Jesus you know, in in our spirits face to face, even if we don't see you face to face yet, although one day we will. But Lord, already, already, blessed are those who haven't seen you, but know you deeply. So take us deeper, Lord. Help us to go not just ankle deep, but knee deep and waist deep and even deeper in your Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Okay, we're going to look at uh, the next part of uh, our Galatians series. Uh, So if you've got a Bible, an iPad, a telephone, or wherever you store the scriptures these days, have a look at Galatians chapter 4. It should appear on your screen as I speak. Oh, there it is. And we'll just read from verse 21. It says this, Tell me, you who want to be under the law, are you not aware of what the law says? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the slave woman and the other by the free woman. His son by the slave woman was born according to the flesh, but his son by the free woman was born as a result of a divine promise. These things are being taken figuratively. The women represent two covenants. One covenant is from Mount Sinai and bears children who are to be slaves. This is Hagar. Now, Hagar stands for Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to the present city of Jerusalem because she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem that is uh, above is free. And she is our mother. For it is written, Be glad, barren woman, you who never bore a child. Break forth and cry aloud, you who were never in labor. Because more are the children of the desolate woman none of her who has a husband now you brothers and sisters like our, sorry now you brothers and sisters like isaac are children of promise at that time the son born according to the flesh persecuted the son born by the power of the spirit it is the same now but what does scripture say get rid of the slave woman and her son For the slave woman's son will never share in the inheritance of the free woman's son. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we are not children of the slave woman, but of the free woman. John Stott said that this was the most difficult passage in Galatians. And uh, so that's not why I decided to do the preaching about it. Um, But what does it mean? We're not very familiar sometimes with the, the Old Testament. And yet Paul you know, of course, is, and that his listeners, particularly the Jewish Christians, are very familiar with their Old Testament. Now, how many of you know the story of Sarah and Hagar? Yeah? Who would like, anybody like to volunteer to come and tell us the story of Sarah and Hagar? Well, it's not, it's not one of the, in fact, it's one of those kind of weird stories, you know, in the Old Testament, you think, why is that there? You know, it's actually... Not the good thing. We all remember, you know, uh, Abraham leaves his, his home, doesn't he? We remember about the sacrifice of Isaac. And then you get this funny thing about his two wives. I mean, having two wives freaks us out anyway. You know, so what, what's that happening? Well, he had uh, didn't have as many as Jacob. Um, but he has two Uh, And the first one, Sarah, of course, is his first wife. And God promises Abraham that he will bless him, that he will give him many descendants. And of course, he will give him the promised land. But years go by and there are no children. And so eventually Sarah says, well, okay, take my maidservant, Hagar, you know, sleep with her and have children by her. And Abraham he never seems to put up a, you know, an argument against it. So Abraham does that, and you get this kind of, you know, you sort of think, Is this, if this wasn't in the Bible, I wouldn't think this was happening. You know? and, uh, and so, but, but then things don't go very well, because uh, Hagar has a son uh, called Ishmael. And actually, interestingly, the Muslim, or particularly the Arabs, the Arab Muslims, would say that they were descended from Ish- Ishmael, uh, rather than Isaac, um, but that's another story. And, uh, but, uh, and then eventually, um, Sarah does have a son, Isaac. Um, and, uh, Ishmael mocks Isaac. And so in response to that, uh, Sarah chats to Abraham. God speaks to, uh, sorry, Abraham speaks to God. And Hagar is kind of sent off into the wilderness on her own. God looks after her nonetheless. So it's not such a bad story. But there we have it. There we have it in, in Genesis, around about chapters between 17, 20, 21, that sort of area. Can't remember exactly the chapter, but you can check it out. That's the story. And this is the story that Paul chooses. To our, to our ears, it sounds a bit unseemly, doesn't it? All this kind of, you know, how you know you don't have a child, so get another woman and have a child by her, which then, then all goes kind of badly wrong for them anyway, so why, what was all about? Paul is saying, now I'm going to teach you what that story really means. Because that story is highly relevant to your life and highly relevant to my life. Um, and yet, and it all comes in these 10 verses, 21 to verse 31. So to help you to sort it out, I don't know if you can put up the first PowerPoint... Uh, There you go. There's your two lists. Okay. So on the left-hand side, let me step out of the way for the moment. Hopefully, you'll get feedback from the microphones. There's Isaac on on the left. He's the son of Sarah. And on the right, you've got Ishmael, of course, is the son of Hagar, the slave uh, lady or the handmaiden. Isaac is the son of the free woman. Ishmael is the son of the slave woman. Sarah and Hagar are the mothers. Isaac is born by supernatural birth because she is so old. Abraham is a hundred, when uh, uh, and Sarah is not much behind her, and so well beyond childbearing years, and yet gives birth to a child. It's a supernatural birth. Ishmael, of course, is wholly down to Abraham and Hagar's uh, efforts, and uh, so he's a natural birth. So Paul says Isaac is a child that comes from the power of the Spirit. Um, Hagar, sorry, Ishmael is a son by the flesh. Uh, Isaac is a son who is promised. But Ishmael is a son who comes from human effort. Isaac is the son of the new covenant. Ishmael is the son of an old covenant. Isaac is identified, although it's not actually named here, with Zion, the city of God, uh, Mount Zion, Uh, Ishmael is associated with Mount Sinai, which is, of course, where the law is given. And the whole of Galatians really is about our relationship with the law. Isaac represents the heavenly Jerusalem. Ishmael represents the earthly Jerusalem. Isaac is the one who inherits all the promises of God. And through him, we inherit the promises of God. Ishmael has no inheritance, although God does bless him and makes him very numerous. But it's not the same kind of inheritance as Isaac has. Isaac is a child of freedom and gives birth to, you know, children of freedom. Ishmael is a child of slavery. So Isaac represents freedom. Ishmael represents slavery. Clear as crystal, isn't it? (laughs) But why, why is Paul using this story? Well... If you follow the story around Galatians, what has happened, even people like Peter have been misled out, out of their freedom back into slavery. The slavery that comes from feeling that you have to obey the law in order to please God. And that law is represented by the act of circumcision. So you know that the first Christians were Jews... Uh, but then the gospel begins to break out. And particularly Paul is preaching to many Gentiles. And Gentiles are getting saved. But the question was, should the Gentiles be circumcised? You know, physically circumcised. And Paul was saying, no, they shouldn't. Why? Because you are now free from the law. You are now living by the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ is inside you. And if you want an excellent kind of dis- uh, summary of the Book of Galatians, and get hold of Dave's podcast from this morning, because he contrasted, you know, the fact that we are a new creation. We are not under law, or we're not under legalism anymore. We're not bound by the demands of law, not least of all being circumcised. But we have a completely different way of living. And even now at chapter four, this is like the peak of an argument that's been been going on, chapters one, two, three and four. Paul is about to come out you know, if you go into chapter five, that's the bit where it says, you know, about freedom. Christ you know, Christ truly sets you free. That's the kind of almost like the peak of his argument, and he gets into some of the application from that. But he rounds off these four chapters with this illustration of Sarah and Ishmael. And rather cheekily, if you read your update, um, I, the title for this evening's talk was, Who's, w- Which woman are you living with? <laughs> which is kind of cheeky, but it's also, you know, an indication of how actually we can live with Hagar and Ishmael. Under that kind of slavery, it's, It's amazing how you can, you know, come into the freedom that you have in Christ and yet somehow be slipping back, tripped up, as David said this morning, tripped up and falling back into a kind of legalistic framework. Now, circumcision isn't a reality to us now. It's not it's not something that we demand. You know, you go for your church, you enter into church. Nobody's asked you to be circumcised as far as I know. Is that is that true? Obviously, it only applied to the men. But um, any men being here been asked to be circumcised as a, as a sign of membership of Eastgate? No, I don't think so. <laughs> and you're not likely to be, fortunately. However, we do expect you to be circumcised in your heart. Because later on in Galatians, that's how Paul expresses. There's only one circumcision, and that's the circumcision of your heart, which actually has already taken place in the cross. Paul says you have been crucified with Christ. And because you have been crucified with Christ, your old life, your sinful life has been put to death so that you can be alive in Christ Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit. How do you live your life now? Not by following the law, because the law just makes you feel bad, just exposes your sin. You know, Paul is so, seems to be kind of anti-law. In fact, he's not. The law was given, but the law was given after Abraham. Abraham, how did Abraham get right with God? He believed. How do you get right with God? Simply by believing. Our problem as Christians is that we kind of believe, come into the kingdom, and then we say, what have I got to do? Now, that's not a totally inauthentic question, because there are some things, you know, you want to know how to live the Christian life. But often we bring our legalism with us, don't we? You know, please tell me how to live my life. Please give me rules to live by. And Paul is in Galatians he's saying there aren't any rules, or at least not the way that you understand rules. You don't have rules, you have a relationship. You don't have stipulations, you have the Spirit. So on a daily basis, you're waking up in the morning saying, Holy Spirit, live your life through me, show me how to live. That's why, you know, typically in Paul's letters, you'll get kind of doctrine and then practice. But when you come to practice, all that Paul says is things like, right, you've got the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Just live like that. And the only way you can live like that is in the power of the Spirit. And so he's kind of rounding off this argument by saying, look, you guys, you know who Abraham was. He's the father of your faith. This is to the Jewish Christians. But you could equally say, in fact, as much, you could say the same about us today. The father of our faith is Abraham. How did Abraham get right with God? He believed. And it was credited to him as righteousness. The only righteousness that you have is a gift. So you don't have to add to it. It's a bit like getting a gift at Christmas saying, "Um, that's very nice, is there any more? Would you say that? No, you wouldn't dare say that, would you? (laughs) Somebody gives you a gift and say, well, that's, that's fine, but surely there was some more. Well, maybe the kind of gifts you get, you know, you think there surely is a future more. But, you know, the gift of righteousness is complete. Why? Because you have been given the righteousness of Christ. There isn't any more. You can't be any more righteous tomorrow, the day after you get born again, than when you get born again. You never add to that righteousness Your good deeds, right? There's still space for good deeds. God has good good deeds for you to do. He's planned, you know, before the beginning of creation that you get saved and you go about doing good. But you do good out of righteousness, not for righteousness. You have Jesus and that's all you need. You have his righteousness, that's all you need so paul kind of underlines it with these these two lists which one you which side of the argument do you want to be on do you want to be with ishmael and hagar do you want to be do you want to live according to slavery do you want an earthly jerusalem do you want an do you want a life that's full of efforts of all constantly trying to please god never being quite sure whether he loves you or not you know, never being short, never having no security in your salvation. Or, do you want to be a child of the promise? I believe the promise, that's all I need. You see, that was so offensive, wasn't it? And still is offensive today. Because to say to people, you know, that you know you can just live through your faith in Christ is deeply offensive to people who want to be approved all the time. You know, people look at your lives and think, well, look, call yourself a Christian. <laughs> you know, particularly if you kind of slip up at work or something, you know, say something you shouldn't have done or do something you shouldn't have done. You know, and they are looking for your, you know, they are looking at your lives. And, and part of that is, is, is right. But your actions are not the things that save you. In fact, the ability to say, yeah, do you know I got that wrong? I'm not living according to who I truly am. We had David's talk this morning. Remember who you are. You are a child of God. The Holy Spirit has cried Abba Father into your lives. You are this wonderful child. You, are, are, you have a royal identity. You're a son and daughter of the king. And that simply comes through faith. And you kind of wonder why has Paul got to, you, know, you know, when he's finished Galatians... Later on in life, he has to write Romans and actually says even more about the same subject. If you find Romans a bit of a puzzle, then just read Galatians. And, uh, you know, that's the kind of short version. And then Paul, he talks, covers other subjects in Romans, but he kind of expands on the same thing. The righteous will live by faith. You are justified by faith. There's nothing between now and when you die, and when Jesus comes back, that you need to do to get into heaven. Not that it's just about getting to heaven. But you know, do you know what I mean? There's nothing, you've got nothing to prove to God. Just say to yourself, say to your neighbor, I've got nothing to prove to God. Because God has done it all. Sorry, don't need to say that. But God has done it all in Jesus. And if I've got Jesus, then there's nothing else. And there's... Again, Dave was referring to what Mark had said some some weeks ago. It's lovely when we've done this kind of series. You keep referring to what other people have said. You know, it is belief in Jesus plus nothing. In fact, if you're trying to add something to Jesus, then you don't get Jesus really. You don't get the full effect of Jesus. And that's what Paul is so desperate about. He's telling the Galatians, who's bewitched you? Where's your joy? Do you think you have miracles amongst you because you follow the law? No, it's because you are full of the Holy Spirit. One of the first things to go in church life is the miraculous when people start relying on a legalistic approach and an approval approach to their Christian life. In fact, you can almost bring that into your miraculous, you know, how many miracles do you need to be a saint? You know, in our church, you might even feel like... look, let's just say this. You don't have to pray for the sick in our church. Yeah. You know, we can make a legalism about anything, can't we? And you can come in there, oh, the pressure. Oh. There's people, people around, they see great breakthroughs with healing. As soon as you stop thinking, I've got to do the healing, the healing will break out. When the Holy Spirit is there... You know, my, why did Jesus say my burden, and there is a burden. No, not a burden burden, but it's a burden. My burden is light. It's easy. This is, uh, this is easy gate you've come to. Easy jet, easy gate, you know, it's easy everything. My burden is light, my yoke is easy. And he was referred, Jesus is talking about the burden of the law. Nobody can keep it. That's the crazy thing, isn't it? Nobody can keep the law. So why are you trying to keep it? You can't do it. It's impossible. Why are you getting so fussy about circumcision? Why even is Peter, just in case we kind of think we're immune from illegalism, from legalism, even Peter is persuaded to separate himself from the Gentile Christians and sit with the Jewish Christians, you know, when they turn up. And Paul has to rebuke him. Right? Imagine going up to Pete and saying, "Pete, I need to rebuke you for your legalism," you know, or any of our leaders. Which is kind—you know—it kind of make ought to make you think. Well, God, don't, just get get rid of any legalism in my life. Should we just? Let me just pray that Holy Spirit just reveal any legalism in our lives. <laughs> Father, we want to live in the freedom of your Holy Spirit. We say, come Lord Jesus, just let it be a settled fact in your heart now that Jesus finished his work on the cross. That's why he cried out, it is finished. Everything you need is in the cross. Your salvation, your healing your eternal destiny it was all done on that day and it all became real for you when you believed we bet, most of us probably didn't realize what was going on when we you know stepped into the kingdom when we believed and we you know we're constantly learning to keep coming back to Jesus and Jesus only and the Holy Spirit filling us, that's the only way. It's not an option, you know, it's not spirit plus a bit of law. Well, you know, I could really improve if I just added a few laws to my life. No. In fact, that's, that's the yeast that Jesus talks about when he says, you know, about the yeast of the Pharisees. You only need a little bit of that thinking, a little bit of, well, I could just get a little bit more approval from God. Or I could just be a little bit better. The problem with that is there's always another step, isn't there? That was good, but I could be better. One of the the signs of legalism in your life, you're never really satisfied with your Christian life. That's a terrible way to live, isn't it? It's it's never good enough. What do you like when somebody plays you a compliment? If you're English or if you've imbibed the English culture well, If you're an English Christian, it's oh it wasn't me, it was God it was God. Well of course it was God. But it was you as well. You know, we're learning to live in the goods that God has done in our lives, aren't we? Before we go home tonight, I just want to give you four ways that you can detect freedom in your life, okay? Up until this point, you see, Paul really, for the last four chapters, have been kind of saying the same thing in a different way. I don't know if you noticed that, if you're following the kind of Galatians. Don't worry if you think, do you know what? That sermon sounded like that sermon. Well, that's okay because, you know, the last four chapters have been a bit like that, although we've got such great preachers here, they'll make it sound different. But... And I was longing to get to that. In fact, I'd, I'd, I'd like to be preaching chapter 5, but I didn't give myself that chapter. Um, we've gone for this one. But there are clues here about how you can live your life in freedom. And we're just going to put the... There's four. In fact, I've discovered a fifth one, but we may not get to it. Uh, can you put up the next slide? Here's marks of freedom. This is the kind of things you would look for in your life where to show that you're living in freedom. Not in legalism. But in freedom, not under the law, but living in the power of the Holy Spirit. The first, and they all come out of really what Paul is saying about Sarah and Hagar, Isaac and Ishmael. And the first is very simply this. Isaac is a child of the promise. Do you know that you are, you've inherited that promise because you are children of Abraham. I might just turn to the person next to you and say, do you know what, I'm a child of Abraham. When, when God came to Abraham and said, I will bless you and give you many descendants, you're the descendants. I will give you the descendants that are more numerous, than the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. That's a lot of people, isn't it? Now, the, even in our generation, we have two billion Christians in the world. A third of the world, as far as we know, and there may be more, you know, have, know Jesus in some way or another. And that doesn't count all the people who've come before. God is, and God wants even more descendants. But you are the children of Abraham. You're the children of promise. So here's the challenge. How, what promises are defining your life at the moment? If you're children of promise and, you know, if prom- living in the promises of God is part of your freedom. You're not under law, you're living in promises. Those promises are releasing the goodness and grace of God into your life. Well, here's one. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. That's a promise that should define your life. It's defining Eastgate. Why? Because that's what we call the presence of God, isn't it? One of the signs of freedom, one of the signs that you're living in the power of the Holy Spirit, is that the Holy Spirit is there. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Jesus promises his presence. He sends the promise of the Holy Spirit. So just living in an awareness of God's Holy Spirit is one of those promises. Here's another one. It doesn't sound like a promise, but of course it is. Nothing is impossible for God. Now, if that really is true, which of course it is, (laughs) then any situation you look at that seems impossible, as children, free children of God, you look at those situations and you say, nothing is impossible for God. It may take time, it may take prayer, it may take all sorts of things, but every situation has a solution. And we're not, folks, we're not just talking about kind of church life here. This is about every area of your life. Why? Because the kingdom of God goes way beyond the boundaries of church. Nothing wrong with church. Church is the kingdom community. But whatever problems you face in your workplace, in your family, you know, in your relationships, in your finances, whatever it is, if you're living in promise, in the freedom that comes from that, then nothing is impossible for God. And you can multiply those promises, can't you? Here's the question for you to take home tonight. What are the promises that are defining your life? You know, God's going to provide for all your needs. That's a promise, isn't it? Is that defining the way that you handle your finances, your giving, your sense of generosity? That God is providing for all your needs. That's a promise that God has for you, because you're because God wants to bless you uh, as He a, as children of Abraham, and through you wants to bless other people. So, are you a child of promise? Are you a child of power? The power of the Holy Spirit is you. Is that the sinful life is gone, and you're now. Not under the power of sin and you're living in the power of the Holy Spirit. So, what are the signs of your freedom is that's true in your life. Now, this doesn't mean you don't make mistakes and you don't slip up, but actually, is, you know, are, are you living in the power that overcomes sin? And you can do that because God is transforming you. The power of the righteousness within you, this new creation that you have. Enables you to do that so look for that in your life The power you can release the power of god god has given you the keys of the kingdom there they are Just as surely as you're holding the key my i'm holding these keys So you have been given jesus said you I give you the keys of the kingdom What are the keys of the kingdom do they release the kingdom around you? So if you're a child of god, you know that you can pray for the sick you know that you can release peace wherever you go. Jesus said that. Wherever you go, pray peace into that situation. You release the the peace and power of God and all the blessings of God wherever you go. Persecution. Wasn't interesting, wasn't it? We just we just had all the all the good ones. Now we're getting one of the bad ones. Well, why do I say that? Well. Because you won't go unnoticed living this life. Ishmael mocked Ishmael, the child of the slave woman. In the story, he mocks Isaac, the child of freedom. And so we don't go around looking for persecution, but let's not be surprised when it turns up. What are the signs, you know, blessed are you, Jesus said, when men and women persecute you and say all kinds of, you know, bad things about you. Jesus says you're blessed in that situation. Why? Because that's a sign of your freedom. Unfortunately, folks, some of that uh, persecution is going to come from other believers. Because they don't like your freedom. They want to wrap you up in the law again. Performing in certain ways, worshipping certain ways, you know, doing, doing Christian life in certain ways rather than in freedom. One of the reasons people come to our church here is because of the freedom that we preach and that we believe and that we live out. But you will find, and you'll, you'll, you know, you'll, you'll find others outside in the world who actually don't like the freedom that you have. And again, I'm not saying that, you know, I'm not inviting to go around looking for persecution, but don't be surprised when it turns up. It's actually a sign of your freedom. Proliferation. I mean, preachers, have you noticed they like the letter P? Okay. And uh, where does that come from? Where's that in the passage? Well, it's interesting, isn't it, that uh, the scripture that Paul Quotes here is this, for it is written, be glad, barren woman, you who never bore a child, break forth and cry aloud. This is talking about, uh, Sarah, you who are never in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband. One of the signs of your, one of the signs of, you know, the, the woman, uh, the free woman is that her family is much, much bigger then that of the slave, we you know God in His grace really does bless Hagar and Ishmael. The Arab nations are a living testimony of that. Right? Yeah. Doesn't mean that they're saved, but actually, you know, they recognise where they've come from. And uh, unfortunately, the whole of Islam—this, this, this—actually, this, this this passage is a huge offence to the Islamic faith because it's saying that the child of promise is the one you should be uh, behind, and not the slave woman, which is Ishmael. And Muslim, particularly Muslim Arab believers, will believe that they were all descended from Ishmael. So sadly, and what's interesting, of course, is Islam is an extremely legalistic religion. That's one of the sadnesses of Islam that's kind of wrapped up in a terrible kind of legalism. If you want to see what, what effect the law, although it's not quite the New Old Testament law, but, you know, the law has, a legalistic religion has on people, then, you know, Islam would be an example of that. But you are children of the promise And actually you are far more numerous you proliferate to the earth and you have proliferated the earth So one of the signs of your freedom is simply this increase If you haven't seen increase in your life whether it's financial whether it's around healing whether it's around sharing your faith then look for it Because actually it's a sign of your freedom You are the most attractive people in the world and the person next to you say, I'm one of the most attractive people in the world. <laughs> As husbands and wives are not entirely convinced about that. You know, so. <laughs> so here's what I want to pray for you. I want to pray that you would know this kind of freedom breaking through free in your life. So we just stand and we'll finish. So I'm going to pray right now that you would know the promises of God in your life. So let the Holy Spirit, you know, I know this is not new stuff for many of you, but let the Holy Spirit just, just ask him, Lord, what are the promises that should be defining my life at this moment? Father, let the Holy Spirit just breathe on that promise or promises. Maybe it's the ones that I've mentioned about his presence, and about his power. Nothing is impossible for, me, for, for him in me, working in me. So therefore, nothing is impossible for me. But there may be other promises. Your life is defined by a promise. And if God has promised it, he will do it. That's why it's faith, isn't it? And not works, although works kind of flow from it. Not in order to earn it, but to actually demonstrate the promise that's true for you. Just ask the Lord this. Lord, I want this proliferation. I want this increase. So what is it you're increasing in my heart now? What is it you're increasing in my life? I have a desire for my friends and family to come to know you. Father, I have a desire to release finances for, you know, a project that you put on my heart. Whether it's in my workplace, in my community, in my church. So, Father, just, I am a child of promise. And, Lord, you said more of the children of the desolate woman than her that has children. Lord, once I was barren, but now you have made me full uh, full of your fullness, full of your glory, full of your goodness, Father, release your goodness over me now. And I believe God's coming. God, God wants to bring healing. Part of that fullness is God is bringing healing tonight, as you know, He's <laughs> He kind of always is. I know. But I felt particularly to pray. Just if you have a problem with migraines or headaches, I know if you just raise your hand. I mean, even perhaps you've got a headache at the moment. You get recurrent headaches or migraines I've just seen so many people healed in this area. It's been really encouraging So if you're next to that person just have a quick look round. There's one or two hands up You have you've either got a headache now or you have recurrent headaches or even sort of quite bad migraines So father we want to say now break the power of that of whatever causes those headaches Pour in your healing now father Because we are children of promise. And you promise, Lord, you will heal all our diseases. Lord, we take you on your promise. You heal, you forgive all our sins, and you heal all our diseases. You did that through the cross. And we are children of the, the cross. We're children of the gospel. We're children of the spirit. And Lord, the miraculous flows out of the blessing that you won for us on the cross. It is a finished work all our sins forgiven, all our sicknesses and diseases healed, in Jesus' name. Just raise your hand if you need healing this evening, for anything. I haven't got enough words of knowledge to to go around, but you don't need a word of knowledge to be healed. So keep your hand up for the moment. The ministry team is right next to you, right? which is you if you're standing next to somebody with a hand up. So just, just come and just gather around those people now just pray over them and release you know you are children of promise and god said you will heal the sick you will heal the sick go and heal the sick cast out the demons raise the dead you know because you have the power of the holy spirit the promise of the holy spirit is on you right now <laughs> yeah thank you father thank you father Oh, thank you, Jesus. Just raise your hand if you need provision at the moment—financial provision or provision around properties or any provision really. Right, I know that's often always the case. That's okay. Right, God's not short to supply our needs, is He? So keep your hands up, and uh, if you've just been prayed for for healing, you might want to look around. Just pray, Father. We just want to release your provision. We had a testimony in our school that God provided, you know, finances when we when we simply prayed, "Lord, we provide, we release that provision now," and God provided, you know, the money, thousands of pounds for this particular person, just because we prayed that that, that you know, and just prayed that provision. God will provide. Press in. He is a good, good Father. You who are evil know how to give good gifts. The farmer said, and we're pretty good with good gifts, aren't we? How much more will a father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? How much more will God provide? He will provide all your needs. So father, we pray for properties, we pray for finances, we pray for finances to release projects, release people into new areas of ministry, new areas of, of work. All right, Father, we pray that you'd open up doors now. We open up the doors of heaven. Father, we open up the doors of heaven and pour out your blessing. Test me in this, Jesus says. Test, oh, sorry, uh, you know, Malachi says, I'm sure Jesus would endorse it, but test me in this and see if I will not pour out. For my storehouse, and God has, he is the richest man in the universe. He is full of riches. Nothing is impossible for him. So, Father, we release that into your kingdom. For your kingdom purposes now, release those now, Father, in Jesus' name. <laughs> Come on, this is part of flowing in the river, isn't it? This is getting in ankle deep, knee deep, waist deep. And when you get up in the morning, you're stepping into the same river. Don't be surprised if you feel the dampness of your floor. Even some of, some of you are going to get up tomorrow and think, Where's this water come from? Right, God's just going to remind you that he's there. Because the, the promise, of, above probably all other promises that define your life, is that he is present with you. This is the new covenant, not the old. Where the Holy Spirit just came occasionally on people. He said, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. While I was on holiday, I had two dreams. I was trying not to think about church. And this is OK. God gave me a dream for myself and he gave me a dream for somebody else. God's releasing dreams now. Some of you, you go to home tonight. Just pray, Lord, give me a dream either for myself or for somebody else. that I know right? God is using dreams. He's saving people through dreams. He's changing people's lives. through. God is speaking to you when you're not aware of it. And he's for, just pray now, Lord, for a vivid dream. A vivid dream that would, you know, either confirm something in your life at the moment or release somebody. I did that this morning. Somebody gave me a dream and, and showed me I was praying for an anointing on somebody. And I went up to them this morning and said, God, while I was on holiday, you know, wasn't I wasn't at work. <laughs> and while I was on holiday, they gave me and I just prayed over him. It was very significant in his life. I had a dream once where, you know, I went and shared that dream with somebody. Two years later, he came back to the Lord. He said, that dream had an impact on me. We are learning what it means. You know, you're old, and especially if you're an old man, right? Old men and women, you will dream dreams. That doesn't mean that men, uh, young men and women can't dream dreams. It's just that, well, even if the old men are dreaming dreams, the spirit is moving. That's amazing, isn't it? 65 is not really old, you know. <laughs> okay. Bless you. Have a great week, and uh, let the spirit come on your life. <laughs>